0: Hey, folks, this is Kevin. On this week's episode of Risk, you'll hear Melina Williams-Haas. He proceeds to eat the pussy like it was a pot of neck bones,
1: and he had not seen meat in a year.
0: That and more. But before that, I just want to give a shout out to Risk fans Caitlin Sierry and Julianne Walsh, who created the hidden Easter egg at the very end of last week's episode. Remember, if you would like to create a Risk audio interstitial or an Easter egg or a Risk theme song, email me at Kevin at Risk show.com for instructions. Now, this week's episode is the second half of the show from the night in September that Dixie De La Tour came to Brooklyn to co-host the show with me. So Risk and the Body Storytelling Show from San Francisco teamed up to present an evening of kinky stories. Now, if you are a Patreon patron who is giving us $10 a month or more, you can hear the entire Risk and Body Show in one uninterrupted and ad-free presentation and we're uploading a new bonus story for our patrons tonight also so check that out and don't forget to look for the body storytelling podcast wherever you get podcasts as well i know dixie is including her own behind the scenes reflections about that magic night in september on her show now seeing as how this is such a funky episode i'm sure you are currently saying to yourself kevin can we please hear a mashup of the Stamps.com song and Funky Town? Well, I am your filthy slave. Your most perverted wish is my command. Take it from this redhead queer. You don't have time to go to the post office Get the the screen, so use stamps.com instead. You use your own computer and printer to print your U.S. postage for your letters and packages. We use stamps.com. Why don't you use stamps.com? <gasps> <gasps> right now, get this special offer when you use my promo code week trial, and we know that's not confusing. Uh, 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 Plus a hundred and ten dollar bonus off for the digital sale. And free postage. Go to stamps.com before anything else. Click the mic on the homepage and type in risk. That's stamps.com Enter risk.
3: Are y'all excited about the second half of this show? (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, you want to introduce our next? Yes,
0: indeed. It is such a thrill to bring her back up to the stage. And by the way, she has uh, uh, CDs available over, and I think even some vinyl available over here at this table over here. So be sure to check that out and also be sure to check out some of her music videos because they are outrageous. Uh They are jaw dropping and hilarious. Please welcome back to the stage Rachel Lark!
2: Hi,
4: guys. So, I know we've heard a lot of really amazing stories of self-discovery, but one thing that we really haven't addressed yet on this stage is what happens when you have to go through that discovery in the context of a relationship, and what happens when that person isn't really ready to go with you. You know? Sometimes people just aren't compatible, and um, that's what this song's about. Who could enjoy something warm, gold, and wet? (laughs) How much more disgusting could one man's mind get? I'm so mortified. And I hope I forget that this ever took place Just cause I lost a bet This is stupid, I tell you And unsanitary But pleasuring you is this burden I carry Okay, okay I get you're impatient You still gotta wait For the stream to be nascent <laughs> Oh my god, here it comes I'm peeing Around some research. I found some neat facts. Don't get up. Here's some fruit juice. Sit back and relax. I see there's a BDSM munch that we should attend. And on Wednesday, a party I would recommend. Here's a book about paraphilia. Ours is called Uralania. It's real. Yeah, they say that it's safe if we start midstream. Apparently, we should avoid meat and cheese. Can you believe it even whitens your teeth? What's that? Sorry, no coffee. We should avoid caffeine. All right, let's get started. Finish your juice. Wait, where are you going? Don't waste that, you douche. Why are you walking away? Please don't slam the door. Well, I really didn't see that coming. Now I see it in a different light. In fact, I'm a whole new woman. And I'm starting a whole new life. I'm going to get me an account on life. I'm going to pee on someone tonight. I know that he's out there somewhere And one day I'm gonna make him mine It's sweet, you know, mossy and subtle It'll make your plants grow, the taboo is strong SHUT
0: very apropos for my final mini-story tonight. Uh, Like I was saying before, we made quite a splash uh, with that uh, piss play story that I told several months ago on the podcast. But one of the nicest things about sharing stories on the podcast is the people who sometimes come to you after they hear them. A few weeks after we first ran that story, I found myself on a kink site, And I met the cutest young guy. And the two of us decided that we should, you know, after a little bit of chatting, go out for dinner. So it was really cute. Uh, Let's call him Helmut. um, (laughs) Because he had this very old-fashioned German name, which was especially adorable because he was very Malaysian. So over dinner, I'm like, oh, my God, this guy is so adorable. And he keeps saying to me, oh, my God, that story you told about all those guys who turned you into their urinal. I like that story. And then he'd take a sip of his cocktail and kind of bat his eyelashes at me. I was like, oh, okay. Okay. After dinner, a little, a little while later, we ended up going to this place. It was a gay sports bar, <laughs> which are now very popular. It was called Gym, the Gym Bar in, in Chelsea. And, uh, you know, it's filled with bears and muscle jocks and guys who actually know, like, what the football team from Cleveland is called. Brown. I'm from Cincinnati, so that was a little bit of a dig. So we're in gym bar, right? And it was funny because I was having O'Doul's. Now, (laughs) O'Doul's is the non-alcoholic beer that is put out by Budweiser and oh my god it, it, anything that is put out by Budweiser sucks and so <laughs> if, if you want a non-alcoholic beer a bar is either going to have nothing or that one right so it's a real pisser which is a little bit of a foreshadowing of what happens <laughs> in that. So I'm drinking my O'Doul's, and at one point, I notice, boy, Helmut is drinking the real stuff, and he is starting to get warm and fuzzy. The two of us are kind of feeling kind of cuddly already, and you're trying to kind of, I don't know, get all over each other right in the middle of a public space and standing straight up. So that is what is going on, and I finish my O'Doul's, and I slam it down on the bar, and he gets this big grin on his face, and he grabs the empty bottle, and he says, you finished? You want another? And I said, yeah, yeah, indeed. He's giving me this big grin, and he kind of pats my lap, and he says, hold this space. And he takes the empty beer bottle, and he saunters off to the bathroom. (laughs) And a couple minutes later, he comes sauntering back out of the bathroom with that grin still on his face and the bottle and he said, I refilled it for you. (laughs) And he handed it to me and it was full again and warm. Well, my dick was hard. I was like, wow, okay, this boy is kinky. And I took a long, slow swing. And you know what? Oh my God, it was so much better than O'Dewells. Pleasant, it was mild, it was refreshing. But it was definitely his piss. That felt like something that came out of a cock. So then he takes a swig, and he says, whoa, that is good. (laughs) And I said, you know what, Helmut? Everyone knows that whatever Budweiser makes is piss water but yours is so much better than the one they make. We could make a fortune! (laughs) So, after the show, be sure to head to the bar and check out me and my business partner's new line of beverages. We call them Helmut's Tinkles. And we might as well use the same tagline that O'Doul's uses, which is, what beer drinkers drink when they're not drinking beer. Oh my goodness. Now, as you probably know, if you listen to the Risk Podcast, you know that we're always welcoming pitches from you guys, right? It is always such a thrill when someone is brand new to us, they're a fan of the show, they write into us, they work on their pitch with us, and our next storyteller I am so thrilled to announce. Bex Caputo is a sex educator, blogger, speaker, and podcaster. They've been a proud and undeniable kid. Ever since they insisted on being served their meals in a dog bowl at age eight. <laughs> you can find them on Twitter at BexTalksSex and on their blog at BexTalksSex.com. Please welcome the stage Bex Caputo.
5: It is bright up here. This is fine. (laughs) Lifelong dream to perform at body. It's fine. I got this. All right. So I was 24 years old the first time I left the country. And as soon as my plane touched down in Toronto, turned my cell phone on to check my text messages, and I have a text from my best friend. And it says, hey, so uh, there's a party at the hotel tonight. My friend's bringing a backpack full of pop brownies. And I found two volunteers to go down on you. Cool, good, great. Uh, This is a significant text message for a couple of reasons. One, my friends are great. Uh, And two, up until this point, I was 24 years old and no one had gone down on me before. I know, you guys! (laughs) Now, am I exaggerating a little bit? Uh, My partner or my ex had offered, volunteered. Uh, We had tried. But I don't know if you've ever had someone go down on you who seems like completely disgusted by the concept <laughs> but he would like pull his head back and stick his tongue out as far as he could and like vaguely kind of maybe touch my genitals uh, and anytime I tried to kind of like lean down and get more pressure or sensation much of anything uh, he would like pull his head back and like look at me and tell me you know yeah, you can't do that I'm gonna drown as if he was amazed that I was like wet Which, looking back, I'm amazed I was wet, but that's an entirely different thing. (laughs) But that was really kind of emblematic of our whole relationship. Uh, When I was first attracted to him, it was because he would tell me these stories of all these adventures he had been on in the past and all these parties he'd gone to and the sex he'd had. And I was like, great. you know. We met in high school, and I was like, this is my opportunity to try all the things, right? To go on all the adventures. And that didn't really happen in our relationship. The same face he made when he tried to go down on me is the face he would make anytime we tried to have sex. Anytime I would try to hold his hand or kiss him hello, I just... Slowly over the course of this six-year-long relationship, I, lear- I know... Uh, I learned that my sexuality was a burden to him, that I was something he had to take care of, that I was a chore so that I would stop whining. I know. <laughs> I know. And in all that time... I was still ravenously curious about sex. I was becoming a pretty established sex blogger. I was becoming a part of the community. I was meeting a lot of people. And I would look at all of these things and hear all of these stories. And I would think, that's the kind of sex life I'm going to have when I'm out of this relationship. Those are the things I'm going to get to do one day. So now here I am, 24, about eight months out of my relationship, and I'm in Toronto, and I have a text that says that there are two people volunteering to go down on me. And I'm like, cool, this is great. Uh, Later that night, I'm at the party at the hotel. It's queer prom. So, I know, because queers are great. Um... (laughs) The whole, like, hotel room, it, not hotel room, but, like, ballroom is set up in, you know, paper streamers and the little balloons and set up like your high school prom. Everyone's in their prom dresses and their taxes and having a grand old time. And uh, we're standing in a circle and my friend Taylor brings up this this thing again. He's like, so, you know, you, you've never had anyone go down on you before. And I'm like, no, I haven't. And he's like, we can make that happen tonight. We can change that. And I'm like... I don't know. So he goes, no, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go get some volunteers. <laughs> and then he flounced off across the room in his like flowy, flowery dress and started recruiting people. <laughs> now, in this time I was uh like I said, I was a sex educator as blogger, getting a part of this community, and I was familiar with the concept of like owning your desires and talking about your desires and negotiation, and that's how you make things happen, right? I was familiar with all of this in theory. This is the first time it was being put into practice in a room full of strangers all coming up to me going, hey, would you like me to go down on you later? (laughs) So that's a test in owning your desires. Um... And Taylor would bring people over and be like, what about this one? I have two over here. What do you think? So like, what's your type? Who are you into? Can you give me a little bit more guidance? Because all I was capable of doing was like giggling and squirming and being like, I don't really know. At one point, this gorgeous, tall, curvy redhead comes up to me and she comes up and gets way up close, right in my personal space. And I'm about tit height here, so i just got to look up, because I am a very small boy. And uh, she looks me dead in the eye, and she goes, I swear to God, she looks at me and says, so, uh, Taylor told me about your quest, and I just wanted to let you know that I would chew through a park bench to eat your cunt. <laughs> Sure, what I said in the moment because it's two years later and I still don't have a good answer to that. <laughs> um, but luckily, she just kind of vanished back into the party and was gone Uh, so I'm just kind of standing here uh, looking for like all right where's my next out where's the next maybe shred of normalcy that I can grab out of this party Uh, and I see this cute guy over in the corner he's wearing a rainbow bow tie which will become relevant because it's two years later and I still exclusively refer to him as bow tie and he's talking to someone who I've met already I know this person I'm like great There's my in. I have this opportunity to go talk to this cute guy. So as I'm walking across the room trying to figure out how I'm going to insert myself into this conversation, I get right within earshot where I can hear what they're saying. And he's in the middle of saying, yeah, so Taylor says they've never had anyone go down on them before. And uh, at this point, I'm too close to the conversation to kind of like do a barrel roll and (laughs) vanish. So... I do, the only thing I can do is w- and walk up and go, hey, uh, my name's Bex, that story's about me. <laughs> Shockingly, the rest of the conversation wasn't nearly as awkward. Um, he actually sat me down and was the first person that night to be like, okay, but like, do you really want this? Do you really want someone to go down on you tonight? Because it can happen, we can make it happen, we have a room full of very eager queers here. Um, <laughs> And the power of queers can do anything. And he's like, but you need to own it, right? You need to go out there and you need to ask for it. You need to pick someone who you are attracted to and say, yes, I want this to happen tonight. I was like, okay, all right. I I can do that, I can do this. Uh, And before I know it, the party's winding down and Taylor comes over to me with that tall, curvy redhead from earlier and they both kind of corner me and they're like, hey, so uh, there's a party upstairs afterwards in our hotel suite. Uh, grab anyone else you're interested in and come on up. All right, cool, yeah, that, that sounds fun. Maybe I will come to that party. Maybe I will do that. And they go, no, 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 the, the party's for you. Grab anyone else, be a good boy, and come upstairs. I don't say no to things when people call me a good boy. Because I am a very good boy. So, we, uh, I made my way upstairs, and when I get there... That gorgeous redhead is waiting for me with a pair of leather cuffs. And she says, In front or in back? Uh, In front? She cuffs my wrists in front of me and brings me over to these closet doors that are double paneled mirrors because this hotel was smart. Um, And she bends me over in front of the closet doors, hands out in front of me, and says, Now, for everything I do to you after this, I want you to be looking at yourself. I want you to watch all of the things I'm about to do to you.
2: (laughs) Okay, yeah, sure, no, that's fine.
5: So she starts running her hands up and down my back and my thighs. She starts spanking me a little bit, real gently, you know, just to warm up the skin, get me nice and pink. And she slides her hands up my thighs and finds, you know that part of your thigh right at the top right next to your bits that's like super thick and fleshy? She grabs that part of my thigh and squeezes as hard as she can. It's rather sensitive. I jumped about ten feet up in the air and squealed, which is apparently adorable. Because she did it three more times. She goes back to spanking me. I think she had a flogger at one point just... Overwhelming me with sensation and then she turns me around and she takes her knuckle and runs it right up my chest right in my sternum, right in the middle and she grabs me by the shoulder and pushes hard with that knuckle right in the middle and she gets nice and close and she says now every time that's sore for the next day, the next couple days I want you to think back about that bitch from Winnipeg. By the way she came from Winnipeg to go to this event <laughs> makes more sense if you say that <laughs> And I was like, Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll think of that bitch from Winnipeg. Um, the thigh thing hurt more, but like, I guess I'm sure this will bother me. But she knew what she was doing, because for days later, every time I moved, I had this nice sore spot right in the middle of the chest. I put a seatbelt on. God, that bitch from Winnipeg. <laughs> Pick up my backpack. Son, that bitch from Winnipeg. Doing a bench press at the gym. That bitch every time but by the end of the scene she's got me bent over in front of this mirror and she grabs me by the hair and picks my head up because my head's hanging at this point I'm not watching myself anymore I'm not watching much of anything she picks my head up and has me look at myself in the mirror again and she said now the last thing I want you to do is I want you to tell yourself you're beautiful oof (laughs) so so that's the hardest thing I had to do that night Because I'm coming out of a relationship of six years where I was told my sexuality was a burden. And now I have to not only believe that she wants to be there, I have to believe that I deserve for her to want to be there. And I look in the mirror and I mumble something completely unintelligible. And she goes, No, no, no. I want you to say it. Say you're beautiful. So I muddle something completely unintelligible again And she says one more time She's like, I'm going to wait We're going to do this until you're ready So I look myself in the mirror And I say I am beautiful And then she turns me around And has me face the room Room full of ah, 10 or so people Bow ties there A couple other friends that I've got Yeah Uh, She turns me around to face the room And she says, great, now tell them And they're all looking at me And I swallow And I'm like I am beautiful. And I'm pretty sure they clapped because they're queers. <laughs> oh, look, you're queer too. <laughs> then she brings me over and uh she lays me down on the bed, and as I'm just coming down from this awesome scene, I notice Bowtie is getting up to leave, and I'm like, but but wait, makeouts though. <laughs> So I get up and I at least go to give him a hug. Goodbye, you know I figure I'll get something and as I go over and I'm like, hey, you know, can I give you a hug? He puts his hand on my chest shoves me back onto the bed and starts making out with me Pins my wrists over my head grinding his thigh right between my legs, you know the good stuff Real good and then gets up and has to leave but at least I got a parting gift Uh, And at this point, I'm already laying back on the bed in a room full of queers, and they descend. (laughs) So I've got someone, you know, licking and kissing on my nipples. I've got someone's hands all over the place. I'm laying with my head in someone else's lap while they whisper, filthy, filthy shit in my ears. And there is a very cute boy between my legs, kissing up my thighs and pushing my underwear out of the way, and he starts going down on me. And it's great because he wants to be there, right? He's got his face buried in my bits. He's licking and sucking and actually enjoying himself. And what was really amazing out of all of this, like, yeah, it's great having a lot of people touching you in a lot of places. Um, And, like, oral sex is great. I don't know if I need to tell y'all. Um... New, Newsflash. It's fun. Um, and then like, the night progressed to just across the board makeouts with everyone. There was one girl there who had so much glitter on her face that we could track who she had made out with, <laughs> when the lights came back up, and exactly where. It was fantastic. Um, but the most exciting thing about that evening was sitting in this room and realizing that it didn't feel weird. I was in the middle of my first group sex experience in a country I'd never been in, in a room mostly full of strangers, and I felt at ease. I felt comfortable. This didn't feel like a foreign experience, right? This felt like the sex life I was supposed to have been having. And when I got up and left that room at the end of the night, someone asked me if I needed help going home, and I was like, no, why would I need help going home? This is fine. And then I opened the door and got hit with the fluorescent lights of the hotel and fully realized what people meant when they said, fuck drunk. (laughs) Because that's a very real thing, (laughs) y'all. The hotel felt like I was in a different world once I had emerged from the room. And I walked down the hallway and got into the lobby and uh, just had to sit down and think about the fact that for six years, I had spent my life wondering and saying when, when this is over is when I'm going to get to do those things one day I'm going to get to live that life and I was fucking living it and it was great
0: This is risk. This is Talking Heads behind me now. And we just heard from Bex Caputo. You can find Bex on Twitter at Bex Talks Sex. <laughs> now, are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes so you receive the best possible matches. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash risk. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash risk. One more time, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash risk and Speaking of slash risk, let's get back to body slash risk with my scintillating co-host, Dixie De La Tour.
3: So our final performer tonight is one of the most astounding storytellers I have ever met in my life. No holds barred. She is incredible. You may have heard her on the Mit Risk podcast. You may have heard her on the Body Storytelling podcast. When we've done Body Storytelling's Best of Body where people vote, she wins every single year. Yes. Every year. She's astounding. She deserves it. Yes. <laughs> There is a documentary coming out in early 2018 called The Artist and the Pervert, a documentary of her life and her partnership with her partner, Georg. Hi, Georg. How are you doing? (laughs) And I just want to uh, let y'all know that Georg is a famous Austrian composer. And I said, "Melena, is there anything you'd like me to mention? She goes, you could pimp out Georg and tell him he's looking to get some action tonight. (laughs) So if you like to fuck famous people, if you're a star fucker, you can have that happen. <laughs> Are you a star fucker? We got a star fucker over here. All right. <laughs> he doesn't understand what you're saying. I don't understand. What
2: you're
3: I don't un. Yeah, he does it to me every single time. I told him I was going to organize a motorboat bang orgy for him, and he just looked at me alarmed, and I thought I didn't have consent. I'm like only. If you want. I, I don't. And after the fifth person went, I'm in on that motorboat bang. We're all going to put our titties in his face. Motorboat bang. Like six people. He finally went, Oh, 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 oh. So this is your final storyteller. And she's astounding. So remember... If you want to get your asses out of your chairs and give her a standing ovation, I am all in favor of giving people the love they deserve. Your final storyteller tonight is Milena Williams Haas. Give it up!
1: originally from Flatbush so I'm down. In December of 2013 I was living with two fantastic Jewish dykes out in Flushing. And I was barely making it as a sex educator because talking to people about sex is not the most lucrative career one can come up with. And I had been working for a sex website. Basically, you know, do you remember Adult Friend Finder? Remember those motherfuckers? (laughs) Yeah, they made a lot of money. And so my job at the time for them was writing copy and searching for the most magnificent dick pics to put up on their website. And so I had done this for years, basically working at a place where, like, if you aren't looking at dick, they know you're fucking around. <laughs> so, so it's like, you're looking at like, oh, lolcats, lol, cats, and then your boss comes up and you're like, oh, dick, 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 dick. <laughs> like, that was my job. And I made a shit ton of money. So coming from being like a poor black kid from the projects to making the most money I had made in my life looking at dick was kind of amazing. And so i spent a couple of years then running around the country and running around all over the world, like to Europe and Australia and every place, talking about sex, talking about kink. As a black woman who also identified as being submissive and being into kink and BDSM, there weren't a lot of role models out there for me. So I had to kind of like be my own pervert, like the two or three other submissive black women that I had met in my life. we were like amazing stalwarts of the kink community. And then I was like, yes, there need to be more of us. There need to be more kinky black women out there doing the kinky black woman thing yes. for us, for the people. Why aren't they out there? And then they're like, if you don't see what you want, be the change. And they're like, fuck. <laughs> I don't want to be the change. Sometimes I just want to like, you know, fucking chill and watch the change. But No. <laughs> So I had really dedicated myself to this and I had spent years pursuing this dream. And in December of 2013, I was down to my last thousand bucks in the bank And I was living with two friends, and they were magnificent, they were wonderful, but this was not going to be the rest of my fucking life. And I had tried for so many years to find a dominant partner. And the thing is this, like a lot of people when they meet me are kind of shocked I'm submissive. (laughs) I have no fucking idea why this is so hard for them to believe. (laughs) And I would meet these guys, and they'd be like, well, you don't act very submissive. And I'm like, well, you don't act very dominant, because if you did, I'd be kneeling and sucking your dick, wouldn't I? (laughs) So I sought the dominant type for me, and I had dated a couple people, I had a couple really great relationships, but nothing that ever really gelled. Everyone was either like super polyamorous, and while I don't mind playing around with other people, I really wanted that heart bond connection with one person, and that was a little bit hard to find in the King community, and I had compromised so much, and let me tell you, compromising is great until you grind up against your limit, and you're like, oh, this is no longer compromise, this is me actually giving up on my fucking dreams which I did not want to fucking do. So in this shower, I had one of these conversations with God, flying spaghetti monster, the universe, whoever the fuck you want to call it, your higher power, right? And I said, look, you know what? I have put myself out there. I have had faith. I have taken the leap. I left San Francisco. I grew up in New York. I moved out to the West Coast, did the West Coast thing, came back, New York received me like a lover, Who kinda hates you but still wants to like rage fuck you because you know how the city is. (laughs) Came back home and New York was like, ah, get over here, you little bitch, take it. (laughs) I was like, thank you, thank you, Manhattan, thank you. (laughs) And Manhattan's like, oh no, 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 you're gonna live in flushing. you'll like it
2: <laughs>
1: yes ma'am <laughs> and i said you know i did the shit i did the manifesting your power shit that they tell you to do and i'm still fucking lonely And you know what's interesting is that there are lots of people who feel great about being single, people who feel self-actualized when they're on their own, and I was not one of those people, and it took a lot for me to say to myself, I am happier when I'm with someone. I'm a submissive. I like to submit. I like to do things for people. That turns me on, that gets my pussy wet and my nipples hard. Doing for myself only goes so far. But I figured, you know what? At some point, you have to be realistic, and so... In this shower, in December of 2013, I had this conversation and I said, hey, you know what? I've done it. I did the shit. I am going to say, you know what? Fuck this trying to be a sex educator. Fuck all this bullshit. I have many skills. I'm gonna go get myself a nice fat corporate job, rake in six figures, chill out with the sex educating thing. Being a pervert is obviously not that fucking lucrative for me at this time. I'm just gonna move on. January 1st, 2014, new life starting. Unless, unless, universe, you happen to send me the perfect dominant. (laughs) I want the one. I want the one that we all been fantasizing about. I want the one who wants to take care of me. I want the one who sees me. I want the one who doesn't give a shit. No. No. I want the one who not only doesn't give a shit that I'm a bossy, loud-ass bitch, I want the one who thinks that's the hottest fucking shit on the goddamn planet. That's the dominant I want. I want the person who sees me and thinks, holy shit, can I get me some of that? That's the one I need. And I was just playing fuck you with the universe because I knew A, that person didn't exist, B, they certainly weren't going to be interested in me, and C, I was not going to find them between now and the end of the year. So I figured that that was a safe bet. And then, on OKCupid, of all websites, <laughs> I get a message from someone with the handle Spicy Spirit Love.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like,
1: Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> so I open this profile, and they have several strikes against them. Strike one no picture. Please remember, I have spent years working on adult websites, adult dating websites. I got my criteria shit on lock. No picture, some wrong. <laughs> Strike two, their profile is not completely filled out. I'm going, okay, it gives you so many opportunities to show off how awesome you are, and you have filled out, like, two things.
2: <laughs>
1: Strike three, some awkward syntax in their profile. And I'm like, oh, dude, you couldn't, like, use grammar and spell check? Come on. <sighs> so then I'm like, all right, I open the email, and I read the following... Hi, Melina. Wow. Your profile is great. Theater, sub, unusual spiritual fodder, curvy fat black chick, trembling flower of submission. These were all things in my profile. I'm older than you want, 60, but I have a strong German-Austrian accent. I had indicated that I had a thing for accents. I specifically said British accents, but I'm flexible. <laughs> I am strongly interested in BDSM with some experience. I am a top, and I do not drink any alcohol. I'm a recovering alcoholic, so this is nice. I trust in the definition of Robert Mapplethorpe. SM means sex and magic. I'm like, oh hoo, hoo. <laughs> I am an artist, very successful, probably a member of the top 10 or 20 in my genre in the world. Crazy, developing new spaces, especially interested in the dark sides of emotions. I would like to tame you. (laughs) Warm wishes, Georg. And I'm like, okay, this explains the syntactical awkwardness. English is his second language. It also explains why he doesn't have a picture up. He has some notoriety. He's trying to be cool. And I'm thinking, okay, the magnificent thing is that he read my profile and responded to shit within my profile. And why motherfuckers don't do this as a default is baffling to me. It's not hard, read the shit, respond to the shit, get the shit. (laughs) How fucking hard is that? So I wrote back, and I said something flowery and whatever, and I was like, well, you don't have any pictures of yourself, so blah, blah, blah. Within 47 minutes, he had sent me back three of the worst selfies I have ever seen in my life. Everything you don't do in a selfie. Chin from the bottom, hair all fucked up, like, like not in focus. And I'm looking at this and saying, if this guy is so into this moment that he just stopped and didn't even give a shit. I was like, I'm gonna send this shitty, shitty selfie. I was like, this guy can get the date. So he invites me over to his house and as crazy as this seems, I'm like, I'm a Craigslist veteran. If you give out your home address to someone and I happen to know already shit about you and I told him, I said, look, I got two lesbians in Queens who will come for you. <laughs> if you fuck with me and he was like all right well yes yes I understand (laughs) so I went over to his house and I had this moment where I get off the elevator on the top floor of this apartment building overlooking the fucking Hudson and I look out of the window on one side and I can see the projects where I grew up And I had to do that thing, like, and if you grew up here in New York, you know what I'm talking about, where I'm like, don't fall in love with the apartment. (laughs) And I was like, it's cool, because what if he's a jerk? And I'm like, look at that view. (laughs) fucking penthouse apartment (laughs) and he opens the door and there he is this like 60 year old white guy with his like mid-length blonde hair and his glasses and he's wearing like jeans and a t-shirt i'm like you couldn't get dressed up (laughs) but it's cool and he'd made me dinner and wasn't that lovely and we sat and we ate and we chatted and he was asking me all sorts of questions about what it was like growing up in New York and we were chatting about this and that and the other thing and of course the topic of like racism and how horrible white people are came up. <laughs> I like to get that out of the way if I'm thinking about fucking a white person. <laughs> I need to know that when I say fuck the man, they are like yes, fuck us all. <laughs> Like, that's what I need. And I remember telling him briefly a story about, you know, when I was a kid and the first time I experienced racism and some little kid, you know, called me a nigger in the playground. And I look over at him, and I'm not even shitting you, he's, like, crying. He's like, how could someone do that to a child? How could someone... And I'm like, now I'm kind of turned on, because I'm like, oh... (laughs) he might like actually be kind of woke and that's kind of hot for me so I'm like okay it's cool it's cool whatever so we're chatting we're not even through the first fucking course which is some delightful sushi and he comes around the table and like full on puts his hand down my blouse and it's like in a move I have come to discover is the wolf style and I'm sitting there like okay fine it's been a while since I've had any sex let's just go ahead and do this we retired to the bedroom where he proceeds to eat the pussy like it was a pot of neck bones and he had not seen meat in a year <laughs> kidding you and everyone's like oh that's so great I'm like yeah until you are dehydrated <laughs> and you're like I need some Gatorade some fucking some salt tablets like I was literally like I didn't even know what to do with myself like my leg was doing that thing where it's twitching you know what I'm talking about too where your leg's just like da, 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 na, 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 na. and I'm finally just like after I shit you not you can ask my friends four hours I'm like, you need to get off. I literally have my foot on his shoulder. And he's like, you do not like anymore? And I'm like, I'd like more, but I'd also like to A, walk again, B, live, C, not collapse into a pile of brown dust. So we fool around. Everything's amazing. He invites me back the next day. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Date number two, he says to me, I've been thinking about us having a master-slave relationship. I'm like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. He said, I have written up an outline for a contract. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Okay, mister, like I've never actually had a master-slave relationship. Talking to me, the pervert, like the executive pervert, (laughs) who has traveled around the world doing this shit professionally. Show me what you got. So he takes out this list and he starts saying, well, I would need you basically to be available to serve me at all times, so then it would be my responsibility to take care of you. I'm like, okay. He's like, I understand you do not have health care. I will take care of that for you. I understand that you might have financial needs. I will make sure that you have a savings account and that we put money away for you every month. I understand that you are involved in the sex community. I will need for you to find partners for us so that we may all have sex together. (laughs) My work takes me all over the world, so I would need for you to be available to travel anywhere at any time. I might want to have sex with men too so you have to be okay with that and I'm like <laughs> can we go back to the healthcare <laughs> as crazy as this seems pretty much within a week of this meeting I have moved into his house And he was traveling, and he was like, here's the keys to my house. Did I mention it's a two-bedroom fucking penthouse apartment? And every time I get off the elevator, and I look back to the neighborhood where I grew up, the Johnson fucking projects, and the fucking doors open (laughs) up to the elevator, and I'm like, beans don't burn in the kitchen. (laughs) Took a whole lot of trying just to get up that hill. Now we're up in the big leagues. Not turn it back long as we live You and me, baby Ain't nothing wrong with that We're moving on out <laughs> To the east side <clears throat> We finally got a piece of the pie And if you had told Little black me 40 years ago that you were going to be happy with a collar around your neck that signifies your submission to someone, that you were going to be the most well taken care of by someone who sees you as the most precious and beautiful jewel that has ever walked the earth. If you had told me when I was rejected by people for being too fat, that I would be with someone who not only thought it was okay that I was fat, but who stared at my belly like dinner was on (laughs) and could not get enough of my body as it is, I would have said, get the fuck out. (laughs) The thing is that it is so easy for us freaks and perverts and weirdos to feel like we will never find that other person. This guy was 60 years old when we first met and one of the things he always tells people is, don't wait until you are as old as I am to find your true calling and to be who you are. And I say, wait, if that's what it takes. If that's what it takes for you to truly find the person who is for you, fucking do that shit. Because the appreciation and love that we have for each other is worth every minute of every year that we both spent waiting for each other. It's fucking magnificent. And we're both worth it. Sir, I love you so much. to add that I am Melina Lee Williams Haas on Facebook and really fucking seriously if you think it might be hot to fuck an old middle-aged pudgy couple come and get some of this he speaks German so naughty politically incorrect play is in play I want to give a big shout out to all of the perverts who are here who share their stories today and everyone who's here showing their faces and let me say especially a shout out to the perverts of color because I fucking see you and I know how it is to feel like everyone is telling you that like this is a white people thing I'm like don't get to deprive me of the good shit yes it's freaky and yes it's fucked up and yes it is magically delicious so get your freak on brothers and sisters thank you
0: Is all for this week's episode, folks. This is Prince behind me now, and of course, we just heard from Melina Williams Hawes. Now, you know, Melina has a book that has been on my mind lately because we're right in the midst of this horrifying Harvey Weinstein story. It's on everyone's minds. Melina has co authored a book with Lee Harrington called Playing Well with Others. And all sorts of things you might wonder about issues of consent and negotiation and how to keep things sexy without lines getting blurry. So go look for it. It's called Playing Well With Others by Melina Williams and Lee Harrington. And another thing that's been really, really moving this week is to see all the people who are sharing these hashtag Me Too stories on social media remember if you've done that if you have felt compelled to share one of those stories on twitter or facebook you might want to submit it to us here at risk as well if you go to the submissions page at risk-show.com you might want to flesh that story out and share it right here on risk Now, I'm going to let you know where Risk is appearing live next on October 21st. We're in Los Angeles at the Bootleg Theater. October 21, at the Bootleg in Los Angeles. That is an evening of scary stories. On October 22, for the first time, Risk is at Littlefield in Brooklyn. October 22nd, Risk is at Littlefield in Brooklyn. Again, that's an evening of scary stories for Halloween time. On November 3rd, we are in Baltimore, Maryland at the Creative Alliance. And on November 9th, we're in Chicago, Illinois at Lincoln Hall. On November 10th, we're in Madison, Wisconsin for the very first time ever. And on November 11th, We're in Detroit, Michigan. Detroit, we're still taking pitches for that one. November 11th in Detroit, the theme is Surprise. And on December 2nd, we are in Phoenix, Arizona, at the Valley Bar. That'll be my first time ever in Phoenix. The theme that night is Jaw Dropping. We are still taking pitches for that one also, and you can always pitch us at risk-show.com submissions. Nothing is more important to us than that you spread the word about risk. We rely so very heavily on word of mouth, One great way to do that is to give us a good review on iTunes, because people check those. Those get a lot of attention. Another way is to spread the word on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All three of those places, we are at-risk show. And don't forget that we offer storytelling training through our school at thestorystudio.org. That's one-on-one training over Skype, in-person workshops, video workshops that you can download and take in your own time, and corporate workshops. We do workshops for big corporate clients. Of course, those stories that people are sharing in those workshops are professional stories, business stories, so they're nothing at all like the stories you just heard on this episode. But look us up at thestorystudio.org. Folks, today's the day take a risk.
1: know what to do with myself like my leg was doing that thing where it's twitching you know what I'm talking about too where your legs just like (singing)